Welcome to episode 14 of Forging the Journey, where we discuss the joys, struggles of entrepreneurship and business. I'm Greg Davis. And I'm Jared Dobb. And we are ready to rock. Yeah, man. <laughs> Back at dark it. And early, dark and early Tuesday morning. I don't know about oh, Ohio, but it's nice and bright in Pennsylvania right now. Oh, it's super foggy and and moist outside right now. You know, it it hit me this morning because I walked outside. And I noticed it was going to be different because, like, the ground was all wet. And we've, we've had – it's probably been the same for you, but the temperatures have been insanely cold. But today, like, all the water was melted. So I was like, all right, it's going to be warm. But it was probably 45 degrees when I walked out this morning. It was weird. Yeah, it was uh, last week – it hit like minus 30, I think, like wind chill, you know? Yeah. It was like minus 30. And then this weekend, it, w- it hit 60. Yesterday, it was 60. So you're wow. talking like... That's crazy. Like a nine, it's like a 90-degree swing in a matter of days. It's crazy. Yeah, it wasn't that warm for us, but honestly, you know, it's funny. it Because you get into those crazy cold spells, and I kind of like it because then it makes the rest of the winter feel warm you know 28 degrees now feels awesome because we were in the negatives the whole last week but now it makes me want to get out and shoot that's the problem and it's like a yeah. muddy swamp out by the range but yeah i got out last monday because it was you know it was above freezing it was like 30 or 40 or something like that yeah and uh i mean it was still like six inches of snow on the ground out at the range <clears throat> and it was kind of a mess but uh, yeah, I'm dying to get out to the range. I know the range right now is probably a complete disaster because we had probably two feet of snow. And, again, in a matter of a couple of days, once it hits 60, it all melts at once. So there's just – it's a mess out there. Yeah, I mean, it's sometimes fun to run around on the range and, and get covered in mud, but sometimes yeah. it kind of sucks as well. Right. Yeah, I don't mind – you know, I don't mind running around the range when it's all wet and stuff when it's, you know – 70 80 90 but when it's 40 50 that's a little bit different story yeah so man what's uh what's new in your world right now i feel um, like i feel like we haven't talked much even though i know we were texting back and forth a bunch over the last week but yeah we've we texted a little bit but yeah we haven't really talked talked uh it's really since shot um i've just been swamped it's been uh i'm trying to keep up with production on the rask um trying to get the 44 45 caliber version i had to get get finish getting it engineered out and get fixturing made for the cnc and then um you know spent a half a day kind of you know after getting all that done spent about a half a day uh just kind of getting tweaks done on the on the machining and make sure i'm happy with it before i start running you know making hundreds of them yeah that's kind of what i was doing last week when I bailed out on you. Yeah, was, I uh, I saw the pictures of all the little rasp pieces all machined out. That looks awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. And right now I've got like I mean I have maybe four or five hundred um which comes out to like four how many forty, fifty bars out there that yeah. I've I've op one done on. Um that are all laid out on the table. It looks it looks pretty cool. It's all piled up neatly, you know, uh, ready for op two, which I'm gonna do today. As soon as we're done here, I'm gonna go out and finish machining those, and then get those out for anodizing. Nice. It's a 
man, it's exciting. It's 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 so cool. This is this is something we could probably get into uh, sometime too. But it's just it, it's it's really cool for me to have another product line to see you know to see sales every day to have another product. It's like man, this is really exciting to have to have something else to bring in income and and stuff and it makes me really excited to to get that third and fourth item out too uh, just just excited to see what can be done there and i feel like the steps that you took with the neomag first kind of geared you up to succeed pretty well with your new product because you had an established product right at the beginning you know you know what i mean you had a couple yeah. years where the neomag now is this well-known um piece of equipment and obviously not everybody knows about it and you're still marketing and reaching new people but there's if there's one thing that i think we might have done a little different when we started ta targets it would be probably not to just jump out and make like 14 different target systems right off the bat because the more you have right up front as you're trying to market i mean you're you're facing the behemoth of okay i have to get the brand out to begin with but now i've got all these products and you end up focusing on only certain products and then other ones suffer as far as the sales so if there's one thing that i would have changed i probably would have left us a couple things mature a little longer before we jumped out but you know yeah it well go ahead i was done done with my thought i say you know and, and that's and that's something that's been really nice with this is that um i've seen so many people i feel like i've seen more people just willingly buy the rask because they because they know the neomag and, and the quality and the customer service and everything that's come with that over the years so so the next product they're like yeah i need that i'm just gonna buy it and, you know they aren't so hesitant to to wait and see what reviews are like and right and give it some time and you know see if see what the next generation if there's a next generation what it's like you know um yeah I've I've seen so many more people just be willing to jump on it and buy it because they're like, hey, I know that brand. You know, even if they didn't own a Neomag, I've seen people um, just buy their ass because because they didn't need a Neomag, but they but they like the brand and and everything and and the product, so they've been willing to just just jump in on the on the next product. So um, in some ways, that's been it's it's definitely taken off. Um, faster and better than what I expected it to, but it, that's kind of because my only experience was with a slow grind of getting the Neomag going, so it's kind of what I expected for this product. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome to see. It's an awesome feeling. You get the reward of of knowing that all the hard work and, and you know, the dedication and, and all the R&D is paying off, and that's a, that is a really good feeling when that happens. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then just, just, I mean, in the end, for me, it's all about seeing people enjoy the product that, you know, that I make. And that's, and to see all, you know, to see posts on social media and stuff of people, you know, super excited about it. And, and when, it, when I'm out of stock to see how many people are piling on me about getting them back in stock and stuff, um, just to see people enjoy it. That, I mean, that's what it's all about. Um, so it's been exciting. So the, the bigger question moving away from the products, since we haven't really talked since shot, did you and, and dusty 
managed to escape the SHOT Show plague. Oh, yeah. Nice. I no did problem. too. This year I didn't get sick after yeah. SHOT Show. It was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see so many, you know, so many friends in the industry posting on social media the following week about how they feel like they're dying. Um, I mean, Dusty, if you remember, Dusty had pneumonia and I mean, he was sick for like a month. Yeah. And he kind of got better right before shot. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe his immune system was was good to go. But I was also, I was also dumping uh, airborne in his in his hand all week too. I had a, I was carrying around capsules with me all week. And every, every every time I take a couple, he'd take a couple. And I also told him like, here's the rule, Dusty. Anytime you see a Purell anywhere on the show floor, you use it. I don't care if you just use it. If you get to the next, you walk to the next one, next booth, and it's there, you use it. That's just a rule. And sure enough, that's what we did, and neither of us got sick. So Yeah, it, it's crazy, and it makes sense, though, because you got people congregating literally from all over the world into a yep. place where everybody's touching everything in the booth. Yeah. It's a mess. So I was, I was well, really I th- dreading that. I think it also helped. I honestly didn't really pick up that much stuff. I, I shook way more hands than I did pick up guns and, and accessories and stuff i did a lot of fist I, bumps I, yeah <laughs> yeah i was i was forget about the fist bump i like a good handshake so i do too but there were a couple that i i was like yeah you know i just took a fist bump well you you see somebody digging in the nose and <laughs> you just go for the you go for the fist bump Mm-hmm. well uh we were texting a little for everybody listening we we're texting a little bit before the show um we get messages a lot on our personal social media or on our branding social medias, our company pages and stuff. Um, so you, do we want to dive right into it, Greg? Sure. Yeah. So, it, yeah, you said that you that that you got a bunch of questions, and I was like, well, let's kind of fast fire uh, through some of those if we can, or or if you want to kind of compile some of them into you know, maybe in one or two questions so we can yeah we, we can go through. So okay, so. This is a fairly recurring question that I get, you know, sometimes weekly, sometimes it goes a little bit and then I'll I'll get it. But I got a couple messages this week specifically asking about photography and the, the basic premise of the questions, and I didn't write down exactly what they were, was how do I learn photography or even if, you know, if I'm doing photography, how do I get better at it? And then I also got a couple questions about growing the social media pages. And I think that's kind of, you know, say, for example, growing your Instagram page is kind of a topic in and of itself, really. I mean, you could talk about that for a while, but the photography obviously ties directly in with marketing, sales, promoting your product. So I figured, you know, especially Greg, with your background in photography um, and my, um, over the last four years now, my self-taught photography as we've started the the business i figured we could both probably share some information that i i really think would help some people yeah well just so i'm not sure if i ever mentioned this before but um i was a freelance photographer for about 15 years i shadowed a couple pros for a couple years um and then started doing i mainly got into wedding photography and senior portraits and family portraits and stuff like that mainly because it was it was easy to find that work Right. Um, and it honestly it paid pretty well. Um, so that's kind of what it fell into. I was, of course I was preferred, you know, just 
taking pictures on my own and 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 stuff like that but uh i kind of went where the money was so um i'm i'm pretty good with the camera um uh i've had a number of dslrs over the years and and so yeah that's kind of my background and for me my wife was always a photographer and i honestly for years i really really loved photography but i i never would have said that i took it seriously quote unquote probably 10 years ago I think it was my parents got me a little tiny Olympus. Like, think of one of those mini digital cameras that you used to carry around a little pouch. Um, and, you know, they were nothing special, but I just started taking pictures of a ton of stuff. And then I put that down for a couple years, and then fast forward you know, to probably the last four years, uh, my, my wife, who had been a professional wedding photographer and also a portrait photographer, we started having kids and she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom so she transitioned away from the photography scene but we had all of this equipment and as we started ta targets and the need for more photography and more content and to build our social media grew i initially i started with a smartphone which there's nothing wrong with that i took pictures with my smartphone and grew grew the accounts fairly large but as she used the camera less and less i started getting my hands on it and so I had her teach me how to use manual settings and things like that and you know fast forward to now I feel confident that I could say that and it's kind of a weird thing when you think of like quote-unquote professional photographer I guess to me when you can designate yourself as a professional is when people are seeking you out to either pay you for your service or what you're doing is bringing in revenue for something so i i feel like i have established a skill set now over the last four or five years that you could say is kind of a professional quality and and so there's a lot that goes into that into the photography and you could talk for forever i mean just search on youtube how to take better pictures and it'll be overwhelming but i don't know i figured we'd touch on it and and share some tips about how to get those better photos and I think people really yeah. learn from it. I mean, there's so many directions. I mean, we could get, we could really get into the nitty gritty of, of, you know, how to use a camera and camera settings and, um, and all this stuff. I don't know how well, in depth we want to get. Why don't we do this? Do you need, do you need to go out and buy a four thousand dollar camera right away? No, definitely not. Yeah, I would um, say no. I mean, especially nowadays, you can get. Now I, I I've been I've been kind of out of it enough where I don't completely know every model from every maker like I used to to be able to tell you exactly what what camera bodies to look for and stuff. But um, I mean I've always shot Nikon. I do love Canon. I just I started with Nikon and to make a change it goes it's tough. Down. It's tough. You you end up losing a lot of money because you got to sell stuff. You'll never get what you what you bought it for and stuff. So I've always stuck Nikon. Um, but even with Canon too, like you can get a nice camera body for very little money these days. I don't know, three, four or $500 will get you something that's got manual settings, um, which would be my suggestion is get something that at least has a capability of shooting manual. In my opinion, that should be your goal is to be comfortable shooting manual. Um, cause if you're going to shoot automatic, you might as well just stick to I don't know, a, you know, 
$200 camera, but, um, you know, you know, get something that's, that's decent and that, that you have options to get good glass. Cause in my opinion, you spend your money on glass. Um, that's because when you upgrade camera bodies, which you probably will eventually, you know, that's been a nice thing is, is I'm, I'm using the same glass that I bought 15 years ago because yeah. I bought good glass and I've stuck with Nikon. So when I've upgraded bodies over the years, I've been able to, to, to keep with that same glass. So, um, no, I, I don't think you need to go out and spend a crazy amount of money on a, on a DSLR. Yeah. And that's part of the question that I got in my Instagram is, you know, do I have to go out and buy a crazy camera? Because at, at this point, if you see me running around with my camera, I, I use a Canon 6D Mark II. And it, it's funny, it, it's kind of considered the entry-level full-frame for Canon. It's it's less than a 5D um, or a 1DX. It has a ton of different options. It's great for vlogging. It has tons of different lens options. Like I said, it's a full-frame. You can get really crisp photos with it. Do you want to but, explain real quick the difference between full-frame and crop-frame? Well, I'm not, so I'm going to be 100% honest with you. When it gets into, like, the super nitty-gritty of the details, um, I suck at that. Okay. But I'll keep it real quick. Yeah, so, why don't you run them through, because I know you're, yeah, so, you're more than me. <laughs> crop frame and, and, and full frame, there's a sensor inside of your camera, um, unless you get a mirrorless, but I won't get into that. So, um Basically, there's there's crop frame, which is what most of your your less expensive cameras are going to be. Yeah. Um, and in the with, Canons, uh, I think they'd be like the 70Ds or or 80D or I don't know. There's there's tons of models yeah, that you can and, get that are less expensive. Right. Nikon, it's like your three thousand, five thousand, six thousand, seven thousand, whatever. Um, so with that, they take great pictures, fantastic pictures. Um, but you don't necessarily get a full field of I'm trying to think how to explain this well. Um, you aren't going to get the full picture area that you would if you have a full frame camera. Now, a full frame camera is they are they are more expensive. Like even a base model full frame camera is going to be quite a bit more than your high end crop frame camera. But the nice thing is. You're gonna have um, you're you're gonna have better quality pictures because you're gonna be able to get more light in, which photography is all about getting light into your camera, um, and you're also gonna get um, full full use of um, of your your pictures. So um, you know, like if, if if I got really in, into it, like if you if you shoot a crop sensor um your actual um zoom is actually a little bit i think less than if it were a full frame so um but i guess my suggestion is like without getting i mean i could spend an hour just on that um what i've always done like i pretty much always owned crop frame uh sensor cameras just because they are less expensive and i didn't i didn't fully need to spend the money on a full frame but i always bought full frame glass so that if i ever did go full frame body so you can use full frame 
uh, lenses and glass on your crop frame, but you can't use crop, but you won't want to use crop frame glass on a full frame camera body. So, yeah, I'm glad you, you described it. <laughs> yeah. I probably didn't do a real good job. I'm sure there's people that are scratching their heads. Like the, what the biggest, the biggest deal for, I know when Jess and I were, so originally we bought the first 60 and she was coming out of, I forget what, it was a smaller DSLR that she was using. And we were comparing some of the crop frame cameras to the 60 at the time. And the biggest deciding factor for us going to the full frame at that time was she took a lot of low light, you know, ultra yep. low light photography at weddings and things. And the 60 had a leg up on the camera yep. she had been using. And it had more versatility for lenses. So yeah. when I recently upgraded, kind of like what you said with Nikon, the reason I went right back with a 6D Mark II to upgrade from my older 6D was because it's familiar to me. It was something that I already had lenses for. Um, I already had gear that, that worked for it. I knew where the buttons were and all the settings, so I, I didn't want to completely change what I already knew. Right. And that. So that yeah, you kind of you kind of get into a groove, and when you learn what camera you like, I a lot of people I talk to, you know, they they might use Sony, but they'll say, oh, I love Canon, but I've used Sony since day one, so I don't want to switch, and I I get it. Yep, I totally. I I mean, <clears throat> I can be in a dark reception hall and be able to completely, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> completely be able to to manually adjust my in my camera body I, like, I just i know where all the buttons are i know what they do and i don't need to see it so yeah that's and frankly even like even drives me nuts um like one nikon even between bodies when buttons change now they're usually pretty familiar like they're might be kind of close or different functions change but um it even drives me nuts to, and, and frankly that's that's the reason sometimes why i don't upgrade camera bodies i'm like man i'm just so familiar with the one i have that i don't want to have to relearn another one yeah. um <laughs> yeah but but kind of what you said like it, this is one of the thoughts i had is is what you're paying for for a more expensive camera body which yeah you're going to get more pixels and that sort of thing but um pixels are also kind of a sales gimmick uh it's you now you can yeah i'm not i'm not going to i get on a soapbox with that but w one of the things that you're paying for is um it's better quality photos, like in low light. You're going to have more of an ISO range, um, which which ISO is basically how much is how sensitive your sensor in your camera is to light. So, um, if you run a lower ISO, it's because it's brighter out, and you're going to get uh, nice crisp pictures. If you're in a super low light situation, you boost your ISO way up. And some cameras, you get to like 4,000 ISO, and you start getting what's called noise. You start getting yeah like it looks all pixelated some cameras like a super high-end camera you can run 30,000 iso and it looks great so that's that's what you're paying for is if you get a if you get a lower level camera um and you get in, in, into some low light situations and it doesn't have to be that low light you get into yeah a, we're not talking about darkness per no se, you know what i mean it can be you like just be a room. inside with yeah you're, you're inside with a you know maybe it's just got a lamp or two on you aren't really gonna be able to do much with a with a cheaper camera unless you run a flash and and those pictures look like crap. So and that's a whole other to... that's a whole other beast. That's a whole other art form yeah. in and of itself. Yeah. 
So you it, it, you do get what you pay for. You just have to you have to make a decision what what is going to be my purpose for this camera. You know, what am I going to be doing with it? If you're if you're if all you do is like studio pictures and well lit stuff, then you probably don't need to spend you know that's a super crazy amount on a camera. Um, but and I think it yeah. all it all varies and, and kind of how I how I responded to this message um, with regards to that like what do you spend is you know you you have a smartphone right now if your goal is just to create you know to, to get your product out there and say your budget's extremely tight use the tools that you have on hand right now and just start you know get started I mean you can take some pretty amazing photos and I with my Samsung Galaxy I think that we had I grew the TA targets page to like 10,000 followers and all I had was the Samsung Galaxy I had Keystone carry at like 12,000 followers and that's when I transitioned to learning this camera because I wanted to go further I wanted my pictures to be distinct um, and, I, and I liked what you touched on because once you get into that camera you, a temptation that was my temptation when I started was just keep it on auto and not actually figure out what the settings are. Um, yeah. So you, you know, we can touch on that. You talked about ISO. So your ISO is one of your settings. You have aperture, f-stop that you can mess with, and then your shutter speed. And those are like the three things that I, I play with yep. every time. And, and if, pretty if, much you, it. if you keep ISO low, you know, and, and you can keep a shutter speed, say you're using a, a tripod, or even if I'm really braced up on a photo, if you look at any of my Keystone Carry pictures in my windowsill or whatever, those are usually freehand. Um, you can play with those settings, and, and kind of my, not my joke, but my, my rule of thumb that I, I kind of try to stick to is, if I take a photo of something, in post-processing when I'm in Lightroom or Photoshop, or even looking at it on my camera, I want to be able to like zoom in and see all the details. And, and that to me is like when I see that I have a successful picture that I can read a serial number on a firearm and it's right. crystal clear. So there's, yeah. there's ways you can achieve that. And yeah, you don't need to go out and, and spend a couple thousand bucks right away. Cause you can sink money into something extremely quick, but just buying, you know, if you, if you're kind of tapping out of your phone and you're like, okay, I need to go into something better going with some sort of DSLR and then learning the manual settings I think is going to be the biggest change that that someone's going to see. Yeah, and my suggestion is if you can if you can only purchase one piece of glass, um, my go to is like an eighteen to fifty, eighteen to fifty five, and I always buy two point eight uh, aperture glass, which means um, throughout the entire zoom focal range, I can shoot at two point eight aperture. Um, some of the, the your your kit lenses and stuff they're going to be variable, and so at your at, at your widest angle you might be able to shoot three point five, but as you zoom out, you're going to have to you can't shoot at that you have to shoot at five point eight or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that just limits you when you're in low light or if you're looking for a certain depth of field and stuff. Um, so I, I don't want to get super technical and all that stuff, but I do want to give people just kind of a, a super basic idea of what some of these terms are that we're using. So um, your your f-stop or your aperture, 
um, envision a iris of your eye so it can it can open up and it can close so that in, in case of your eye that's what lets light in is is how open or shut that is and basically the smaller the number the more open it is and the larger the number the smaller that your aperture is uh, you know the that the hole is that's letting light in. So then you also have your uh, your shutter speed, which is which is you imagine like um, you know like a window shade behind uh, your your iris. So your shutter speed is how long does that shade open up to allow light to come through your your iris, basically. And then like I said before. Your ISO is how sensitive um, your sensor is to to soak in that light. So those are your those are your main three things to learn. So, um, and my suggestion is is most of these camera ha- cameras they're going to have automatic, then they're going to have aperture priority, shutter priority, and then full manual. And that's kind of how I learned. Like I, I think I started out. You know, shooting automatic at first, and then I started messing around with aperture priority. So that will you control the aperture, and the camera is going to choose the best shutter for that. And then um, shutter priority is you choose the shutter, and the camera is going to choose the best aperture for it. And the manual is you control all of it. And most and most of the time, um, the only time where you're going to have to control ISO on most cameras is in full manual. If you're in one of the priority, the camera's probably going going to usually it's going to control the ISO on its own. So that's just a real basic knowledge of of how the cameras work. And that's and you know most people really look for um, depth of field. So that's another term when somebody's talking about depth of field or bokeh is what a lot of is another term for it. That's that's when you see your object in focus, but everything else behind it is blurred, and that's really what you know. Like your most phones now have kind of a fake version of that, where it's kind of funny. Like if somebody's holding a gun or something, and they and they use that, uh, they call it portrait mode on the iPhone. Um, it will digitally figure out the outline. And it'll blur everything else. But the problem is it doesn't do a good job at, say, if you're taking a picture of your hand holding a gun, it won't blur out, like, things inside the trigger guard and stuff. So you can tell right. when somebody's just <laughs> you, you tell when somebody's just using their using their phone, you can tell when somebody's actually using a real camera. Yeah, and that's that's the difference. I mean, you when you step up to a legitimate camera, it does open up the door. And, and you think, you know, the way I look at it with phones is, yes, they are tremendously... Um, they're innovative, they're moving forward, but at the end of the day, you look at the lens on a, a cell phone, and just the sheer size of it limits the ability of it to gather light and and take pictures to the level of a camera that has a large lens, a large sensor that can bring in all kinds of light. But I, it's overwhelming to think of those three things, to think of ISO, to think of your f-stop, f-stop to think of the shutter speed, but then as you start using the camera... You kind of get into a groove. So, like, I, it depends on my photo and it depends on the lighting, but I, I have defaults that in my brain I just subconsciously go to. I know that when I'm taking yeah. a shot in this spot, 
because I've used it a lot. And this time of day with this kind of lighting, I, I can get my camera probably 95% of the way there in five seconds, 10 seconds. Yeah. And it, it's just something you have to be okay at not being good at. And well, the great thing about, about shooting all these, about shooting digital is you can take as many pictures as you want. Right. I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing better to learn on than a digital camera. Just, you can just snap away and, and learn. And that's, I mean, I dove in, like, I committed myself to going manual when I started shooting weddings. And I'll tell you, there's nothing more challenging than you're inside the church and then you run outside for a picture while well, the light just completely changed. And then you go from that inside like a car and you got to take pictures in there. Well, you know, you have to change your settings and then you're back into the reception hall, which is always stupid dark. It always make me mad. Yep. Um, so, I mean, you're in and out of buildings, you're in and out of rooms all day long. I mean, I'm changing settings constantly, and I'm pretty much doing it without thinking. Um, now, most people, you know, that, that, that we're talking to or that are listening, now probably, you know, they aren't going to be doing stuff like that. They're going to be setting, they're either going to be out on the range taking pictures all day, or they're going to be indoor range or whatever. You know, they aren't really going to have to be changing settings that much really if you're outside all day unless you're uh you're in ohio where it's bright one second and dark the next you're really not gonna have to do a ton of of switching stuff around yeah and it becomes second nature you kind of know where the buttons are and even if i notice that i'm shooting a photo a photo shoot and all of a sudden these clouds are coming or whatever i can just be looking through my eyepiece and it i it has all the settings digitally in the screen that you're looking through. So I know where the buttons are at. I can just flip stuff around and roll with it. But you just got to be willing to, to know that and accept that the first time you flip it to manual, your picture is probably gonna be too dark or way blown out, overexposed or whatever. And you just, you start with one thing you get, I don't know, set your aperture where you want it. Like my, my lens that I use on the Canon 60, is a 24 to 105. That's like my favorite. I love that yeah. lens. Now there's limitations yeah. of it because it's not great. It's definitely not a macro lens. It's definitely not, I don't know. There's limitations. The F stop stops at four and I don't like that, but it is extremely versatile along a, a broad range of different things. And so I've, I've grown to really like that lens. Um, and it, I don't know. You just you learn it. You you just have to learn it. I don't really know. There's not like a set, you know what I mean, set way that you're gonna figure it out. But I know that I like keeping my f-stop at four most of the time, maybe four and a half or five. Um, if I'm shooting straight down on an object, it doesn't really matter that much. You know, the the depth of field that Greg was talking about, it, it's kind of all on the same plane. But even with a an f-stop at four, you can get a pretty cool. I'm like, I can take a picture of a rifle or something and it'll be really focused up front on the barrel or the optic or whatever. And then it'll blur out as it goes along. And that's one of yep. Canon's, uh, I, I guess it's one of their premier lenses or one of their red lenses or whatever. So it's good glass. It, it really, I've been using it now for four years and my wife actually used this lens almost entirely for weddings for years before that. And there's nothing, nothing really wrong with it. I'm going to upgrade at some point 
very soon to one of the STM lenses. They're just a little smoother with the autofocus and all that good stuff. Yeah. Man, I'm just I'm thinking there's there's a ton of different directions we could really get into in some nitty gritty stuff, but I feel like we're probably losing people that really don't care too much about like all the nitty gritty stuff. So um it's one of the things you said was um is people asking, you know, how do I get better at it? So what do you feel like you you did to get better? And, and besides just the, the biggest thing is spending time with your camera. Right. Um, but besides that, what, you know, like, what did you do to, to improve? I think it's like everything. You, you follow people that you want to emulate and that's kind of what I did. So one of my, one of the favorite, my favorite people to follow is Peter McKinnon. And, you know, I, I like his photos a lot, but I really like his personality even more. And I like the videos that he puts out on YouTube because he'll walk you through all kinds of different things. And we're very, very blessed to be in an age where we can hop on YouTube and you can, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, type in, how do I become a better photographer? And you will be overwhelmed with the amount of, of videos that you can find. And, you know, the, the common misconception about a lot of this stuff, whether it's business ownership, starting up, building a product, photography, digital marketing, whatever, is that you, you know, you have to go to school for this stuff to become good at it. And while that can definitely give you an advantage, we have information at our fingertips that if we're willing to dig into it, you'll be able to excel your knowledge even more. Because there is a, there is a part of it that you kind of have to just be willing to push your way through it and learn. But you also don't want to go at things with absolutely no information whatsoever. I mean, if you if nobody teaches you ISO aperture shutter speed or different camera settings or whatever, you're kind of going to go in blind, and yeah, at some point you might figure it out, but you probably should be researching information. So to me, that was the biggest thing, is just spending time following people that I knew were really good at photos and trying to absorb the information that they're putting out. Because it was free, and ultimately, you know, you don't really have much to lose going that route. Right. And for me, like I mentioned, I had, I had shadowed a, a few pro photographers from my church for a couple of years. And I learned a lot uh, from them, obviously, but honestly, I think even more so uh, this is besides just spending time with the camera. That's, that's number one thing. But um, besides that was, I had, I used to be a part of, of a, of a photography forum and uh and they spent a lot of time on there i'd you know you'd you'd post a picture and you you would ask for critique and you got to be ready to to take the critique if your picture sucked they were going to tell you uh if the picture was good but it you know you know it, it could use a little more of this or less of that or you know better crop or um you know know your rule of thirds don't just stick everything right in the middle you're your picture and just you know learning how to make there's there's knowing how to use a camera and there's also knowing how to compose a picture and composure is just kind of a whole nother thing and that's that's really where i feel like i learned the most from looking at other people's work and from asking for critique for my pictures in in these forums and stuff um so yeah there's you know there's also books i mean I, i i used to I picked up a couple books that were just that was all about composition, or that was all about 
you know, how to, you know, how depth of field works and, and stuff. Uh, you know, you can, you can really, it, you know, like you said, there's just, there's so much information at your, at your fingertips that there's no reason why you can't, um, if you have a passion for it and if you have an eye for it too. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a you know, natural aspect of it. You know, right. you can tell people who can, cause I'll be a hundred percent honest. I'm, I'm not extremely well versed in the theory of photography and there is a whole theory of it. You talked about rule of thirds. There's different leading lines and different things you can do to set up a photo that that's stuff I'm not great at from a book knowledge standpoint, but I was given an eye for knowing just naturally how something looks. And I, I may not understand the theory behind why that photo looks great, but another photographer will be like, yo, I really like how you, set that picture up and whatever throws terminology at me that I don't really understand. So, I mean, some people do have the natural, you know, a natural eye. And if you have that, you can further refine that with that knowledge. And at the end of the day, that eye and that composition is, is what's going to make and break your picture. That's what's going to stop somebody from scrolling at a million miles an hour through Instagram that's what's going to stop stop somebody long enough to to hit like or to leave a comment. Um, you know, you, you know, like I said, you can you can really know how to run a camera, but if you can't compose an interesting picture, then then it it, it doesn't really matter. Right. So that's uh, and that and that truly is. I feel like you know, yeah, you can learn some theory, but that's really where. Um, yeah, find somebody that you really find their pictures interesting and ask yourself why. And if you feel like you can, reach out to them and, and, and tell them that you really, uh, you, know, you know, that you really enjoy their their work and ask questions. And, you know, I, I think most people are going to be more than happy to give some feedback and, and answer your questions. So, Yeah, and the only other thing that I thought we touch on is just why it's why is it important to to know some sort of photography whether it's with your camera or a full out crazy rig that you've set up i mean I, do we want to touch on that why we think that's important as far as an entrepreneur yeah absolutely yeah i mean for for me whether you're a personal brand or a product somebody somebody has to be putting out content in order to reach your potential client. And, you know, I was originally planning on really moving into tying this in with social media, but I running up toward the 45 minute mark. So we probably ought to soon wrap it up for this episode. But at, at the end of the day, if you're not doing it yourself, you're going to end up paying somebody to do your marketing. And even if say you're not the best at editing or creating graphics, because graphics are a whole totally different beast. Um, if you can get the photo, you're 50 to 60% there. And even if you pass, like say for web design, for example, you're building out a website and you're going to pay somebody. If you have a whole bank of professional photos that you've done yourself, you're giving yourself a humongous advantage. So it, I think there's a, a tremendous advantage to being willing and open to, you know, grabbing your phone and learning how to get the best picture possible on your phone and when you tap that out and you're like i need more then maybe investing in the next dslr camera and then learning that and then keep keep growing that direction because that's just going to make you 
uh, more marketable. It's going to make you more valuable. Even if you don't own the business, you're more valuable to the team by being able to create the content, in my mind. Right. And I also think just pride in your work and, and wanting to turn out quality work and, and and to separate yourself from, you know, from the competition maybe is, you know, I want to do the best that I can and I want to show the best that I can do. And for me, that's, you know, part of that is creating quality pictures of my product and, and stuff. So, um, it's, I'm going to be completely honest here. I use my DSLR maybe a quarter of the time. If that most of the time I'm just, I'm, I am using my iPhone. Um, but even when I use my iPhone, um, I'm still not usually always completely happy with it. I would have rather use my DSLR, but there's, but there's a convenience factor of it's right there on my phone and I can just post it right to social media. Um, but even when I do use my phone, I'm always running that picture through, um, you know, through an app and I'm doing editing. I'm not just using the, the usual Instagram filters and stuff. Which app do you um, use? Um, I love Snapseed. Yep. That's the one I use. That I was going to say that. I've turned some pretty crappy pictures into some pretty good pictures using, using that. That um, app is essentially just like Lightroom but on your phone. It's incredible mm-hmm. to me. I, I use yeah. it all the time, especially like you said, if I'm taking a photo on my iPhone, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, throw it right through Snapseed. Every picture is running through Snapseed. And I pretty much, I, I, I pretty much have my settings that I use on everything kind of preset so I can run through, I can run, run it through there pretty quick. Um, so, you know, th- there's absolutely nothing wrong with using your phone using your phone on on things um if you know how to compose it and everything uh like i said if if i'm doing just kind of a straight on picture of something where i I don't really care about depth of field and stuff probably just going to use my phone if i'm if if i'm setting up something where i want some depth of field or i'm I'm out at the range taking taking pictures and stuff i'm gonna have my dslr um and it's also gonna gonna vary to me depending on what I'm going to use the picture for. If it's just posting to Instagram, you don't right. necessarily need the most crisp picture because Instagram wrecks the photo quality anyway as soon as you post it. But yeah. if you're printing out banners because you're going yeah. to a trade show, now you're thinking, right. okay, well, maybe I want to use that that higher quality camera because you, you want that um, detailed photo. So it, it just depends on what you're, what you're looking yeah. for. So quick, quick... I'll quickly talk about some of the things that drive me crazy about this stuff. Yeah, um, go for it. Which is, and this almost, I'm trying not to completely squash the last 45 minutes of this, but the thing that drives me nuts about this is I will set up the most amazing shot. I'll, the lighting's amazing, composition, perfect, depth of field's there. It's interesting to look at and everything. And I'll post it to social media and it'll, kind of fall flat yeah and then i'll repost somebody's picture that they use their their their, their old razor camera yeah. <laughs> uh, phone oh, they're on. still in existence did they, did they and, still have some? I, I, well that's that's what i'm guessing they use because the quality is is less than stellar the composition is horrible they just they toss their their, their gun and and magazine with the new mag on it on their 
on their floral bed sheet and, and snapped a picture of it. And for the heck of it, I'll repost it and it'll blow up. It'll do twice what my professional picture did. Uh, did. Yep. So, you know, does that does that directly have anything to do with the quality of the picture? Does that more have to do with the algorithm and stuff? I hope it's the algorithm because definitely my picture was more interesting to look at. But uh, but that I just say that because that's been my experience and it drives me absolutely crazy. Uh, and it and frankly, it, a lot of times it discourages me from getting my DSLR out. And I'm like, you know what? Is it really gonna? Is it really gonna matter? Um, most of the time, it, I go back to what I said before. You know, most of the time, I I, t- I tell myself, you know what? It's about putting my best foot forward, and it's about about producing the best quality. The best quality is creating a good picture. Um, so I'll still do it, but yeah, that's uh, that's one of the things that drives me crazy. Yeah, and for me, and I've seen the same. I apologize. My printer's making noise over here. I think it's cleaning itself. But anyway, for me, and I've seen the same trend sometimes, I look at it as you balance the reach of the photo versus the quality of the photo. What am I using the photo for? And there is an aspect that I, when people stumble upon our Instagram, I want it to be some sort of, um, I want it to have a certain feel to it a certain style, at least with the stuff that I'm posting, not just the repost. Um, so I still think there's value to me personally and the pride that I take in the really nice photos, even if sometimes they don't get the best reach. But, you know, who knows? I, you can you could guess about the algorithms or how Instagram works or whether it picks cell phone pictures better than you know it ranks them better than dslr i've heard a ton of different theories but ultimately you know you end up having to to calculate that based on the tools you have on hand kind of the image you're trying to get and the style you're trying to portray and then ultimately how you're going to use the the photos and that's going to direct you to which way you know you're going to go with this yeah awesome i hope that uh i'm sure that there's there's some people that that find this all very interesting and and they want more. Um, it, it, my suggestion would be if if you want to know more specific stuff, reach out to us. Either one of us would be happy to give you more in depth uh, explanation or or help on any of these things. We we try to keep it kind of basic because you know there's a lot of people that don't care. Yeah, um, we don't want to lose anybody, but we want to give the info yeah. that that other people are going to definitely definitely use and that this was a recurring message to me so i I think that it'll help you know get people's toes wet a little bit with this but again guys if if you want more info and you want us to cover anything else or you want to talk to us personally the the way to contact both of us is our gmail forging the journey at gmail.com and we did have a couple people reach out to us and i did actually send a couple patches out too to the uh, good people that because i've not emailed i apologize i actually just entered everything today because i was okay. i was digging around on the gmail i was like oh you know what i haven't I, I haven't actually looked lately to see if we got any more messages and then i remembered that those guys had messaged us so i got some patches out good so, i need to do that yeah guys feel free to reach out to us anytime um, our 
My personal social media handles Keystone Carry, but my business is TA Targets. You'll see my photography on both. If you have questions about a specific shot, just screenshot the photo that you're looking at, and I, I'd even be happy to tell you what settings I used, um, all of that stuff. If I can help out in any way, I'm always willing to. I know Greg is as well. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, my social media is the Neomag. You can find if you search that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everything. Even uh, Pinterest. I started posting more on Pinterest lately too. You know, I yeah, should. Where you can find me. I should. Yeah. yeah. Pinterest is awesome. You know, my I photos know show up all over Pinterest. If you type in Keystone Carry, my photos are everywhere. But I never... That makes sense. I never put a single one up. But yeah. I probably should. I mean, it's the only social media outlet that doesn't... that doesn't ban gun stuff. So I don't, I don't know why it's not more popular. But that's a whole other podcast. We won't, we we'll won't touch on that anymore. another time, guys. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well... All right, man. It was good, uh, good, good catching up. Yeah. You have a good rest of the week, man, and we'll hit you up again. We'll hit you guys up on, what, episode 15 next week? Yep. Awesome. Hey, if there's anything that you guys want us to talk about and you want us to, to touch on, please let us know. Uh, we would love to. It, it's it's fun being able to talk about things and cover things that we know that people that listen to us want to hear about rather than, than us just make it up on our own. Yeah, which I'm fine doing too. So awesome. Well, we will catch up next week, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Forging the Journey. Make sure you stay tuned, subscribe, leave us a rating review. We would greatly appreciate that. Yep. All right, man. Catch you next week. All right. Yep. See ya. Bye.